Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to talk about framing our world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. That is our assignment here at Faith Builders. Hebrews chapter 11, 3, those are marching orders for you and I. Hallelujah. It says here in this verse, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Framed by the Word of God. Framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen, everything you can see, things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Hallelujah. Can you see the words coming out of my mouth? You can hear them. But the words coming out of my mouth aren't visible to the, to the eye, but they are full of power. Hallelujah. And the things that are seen were made by, framed by, fitted by, outfitted by the Word of God. We learned during the six days of faith that this word framed is a word that means to render fit, sound, and complete. It means to equip something, to put it in order, to arrange it, to make it what it ought to be. To make it what it ought to be. I'll go through the whole definition. It means to render fit, sound, and complete. To fit it out, equip, to put it in order, to arrange it. If there's something out of order in your life, you have equipment to be able to put it back in order. If something is, is off kilter, if there are areas of your life that aren't lining up with the Word of God, you can take the Word of God and you can put them back in order. It also means to arrange or to make it what it ought to be. Hallelujah. And then it says the framing... This equipping, this putting in order, this rendering fit, sound, and complete is done by the word, the rhema of God. And so we understand the difference between logos and rhema. Logos is also a Greek word for the English word, word, and it is referring to the written word. But rhema, the definition of rhema is that which is or has been uttered by the living voice. So the worlds were framed by the uttered, spoken, declared word of God. Hallelujah. And the reason we have the written word is so that we know what to say. Hallelujah. We have the written word so that we can take that written word and put it in our mouth and speak the words of God after him. Because Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He is the high priest who receives the words that we utter and works with the words that we utter. 
Hallelujah. And when we call him Lord, when we, with our words, confess Jesus as Lord, because Romans chapter 10 says that with the heart man believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness, that that heart believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When I utter the words, I'm activating what is being in, believed in the heart. Hallelujah. So the framing that takes place in my life occurs as I speak the word of God, as I give voice to the word of God. So we want to understand that there are things in our life that are not yet what they shall be. There are things in your life that may, maybe the enemy is trying to trespass on your body. Maybe the enemy is trying to trespass on your finances. Maybe the curse has been been operating and got a little bit close to your too close to your property. Amen. There are areas in our life that must be framed. They must be put in order. They must be arranged. So when we come into the kingdom, when we are born again and brought into this newness of life, then we are equipped with the ability to speak out of our heart words that have power. We are not speaking, we are, we are not limited to empty words. We're not limited to natural words. But because our spirit is alive unto God, it has the capacity to take the word of God and release supernatural power through our words that will go into the situation and turn the situation and cause the will of God to come to pass in that situation. But it's not going to happen without our participation. It's not automatic just because we own a Bible. It's not automatic just because we go to a faith building church. It is automatically ours. It is something that pertains to us. It belongs to us. But we've got to frame it. We've got to use our voice to authorize in our life. So we have to use the method of framing that God designed for us. Let's look at a couple of specifics concerning this framing method. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever, look at your neighbor and tell them whatsoever, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. So you have the keys. You have the keys to bind, and you have the keys to loose. And you have the, the, the choice and the responsibility of this binding and loosing. This is part of the framing. This is part of us setting things in order and equipping our lives. If your marriage is out of order, take the word of God and equip it. If, if your marriage is suffering with, with division, with strife, with areas, begin to sow words of peace and sow words of love and begin to sow in yourself and sow over your spouse words that are going to equip the will of God to be done in that situation. 
Don't get on the phone and call mama and auntie and, and, and your friend down the street and so-and-so. Don't get on the phone. Or don't be posting how aggravated you are because those are seeds that are going to cause a continuation of what the problem already is. What you want to do is get the seeds of God's word, get the authority that is available to you to authorize God's word to work in your life and put it to work so you can bind it and you can loose it. And whatsoever you shall bind and whatsoever you shall loose. So if you want to loose peace in your home, you can loose peace in your home. If you want to bind division, you can bind division. Hallelujah. If you want to, to, to have the will of God, you're going to have to cooperate and begin to work the system that God has given and made available to you. He also said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18, he said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If he says it once, especially in the same gospel, it's important. But when he repeats the same thing in the same gospel, we understand that it is something that he emphasized. It is something Jesus emphasized. And so he said, what you say is going to be backed by heaven. What are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about the outcome of your situation? What are you calling for? What are you framing? Because heaven will back you up. God will back you up. Hallelujah. And so we want to get in line with his word and speak the end from the beginning. Call those things that be not as though they were, even though it might sound crazy to your natural mind. But when you began calling for it, when you began, when you began speaking the end from the beginning, you are mimicking and imitating your heavenly father. And he will work with your words of faith and he will back up those things that you utter by faith. So we have the ability to frame this situation. Hallelujah. So Jesus, when he encountered lack, when he encountered financial not enough or a not enough provision, he resisted it by loosing the blessing. When they said, Master, there's not enough here. All we have is this little boy who has his lunch with him. There's not enough here. Even if we had that much money, there's nowhere we could buy enough bread and enough food to feed all of these people. And so they said, we have not enough. And Jesus said, bring me what you have, and I'll resist the lack by loosing the blessing on it. And when Jesus released the blessing, when he loosed the blessing on the fish and on the bread, it was more than enough. Hallelujah. It wasn't just enough. It said they ate till they were full. Every one of the people present ate till they were full and there were leftovers because he resisted the not enough by loosing the blessing. And so when you encounter not enough, it's not the time for you to talk about the not enough. It's not the time for you to question why God am I in this position of not enough. If you encounter not enough, you immediately respond 
son by proclaiming the blessing. I am a child of God. My heavenly father has provided for me. He has made a a provision at a table. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. His blessing is upon my life. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out and I'm blessed in my field and I'm blessed in the city. Every area of my life is blessed. So I speak to this situation. I bind this lack from having any operation in my life. Oh, no, you don't. You better back up and get out of my life because this house is governed by the blessing. And in the blessing, there's always a full supply. Hallelujah. So we've got to be prepared to know how to frame our finances with God's word. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was teaching and he was explaining to them that worry will not benefit their situation ever. Say that, worry never benefits. Worry never benefits. And so he's telling them, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. Your father already knows. And he begins to give them images of God's provision. He says, look at the, the birds. Look at the lilies. Look how the birds are fed. Look how the lilies are clothed. He says, your father is a God of provision. Your father is one who sees and knows ahead of time what you're going to need. And he hasn't left you without. He gives them this picture. And then he says to them in verse 31, he says, take no thought what you shall eat, what you shall drink. So don't take the thought saying, Don't take the thought with the questions. Why? Because you're going to lose the doubt if you open your mouth and say, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay this? How's this ever going to turn around? I don't know how we're ever going to make it out. How are we ever going to pay our house off? How are we ever going to get this debt? No, 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 no. Don't ask those questions because you're going to lose something you don't want. You're going to lose more worry. To resist it, you're going to have to loose the answer from the Word of God. He said, don't take those thoughts by saying... What shall we eat? What shall we wear? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So he says, God knows you need them. He's not telling you to deny the fact that you need them. He's telling you that God has already provided what we need. So seek the kingdom. Don't seek the need. He said, don't seek the need. Isn't that what this whole whole conversation is about? Don't take the thought for your life. Don't seek the need. He said, you seek the kingdom. Well, what did we just find out was the kingdom? Frame your world. Bind what needs to be bound and loose what needs to be loosed. And heaven is going to back you because what you're saying, you've already pulled it out from the will of God. You've already located in the word. You're not calling to win the lottery. (laughs) You can't have faith to win the lottery. Faith's not going to work to win the lottery. Because God never, there's no scripture in there, thus saith the Lord. I'll help you win the lottery. You'll always win if you go out there. No, 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 no. But you can say that I have given and it is given unto me. You got faith for that, right? So we're not trying to use our faith in an area that violates the will of God, that violates the plan of God. You can't have Bible faith for something that's going to violate the plan of God. 
if your faith came from the Bible, God's going to back it up because he put it in the Bible so that you could put it in your heart and bring it out of your mouth and frame your world with it. Hallelujah. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God's way of doing first. Put God's system and his methods first. He said in Isaiah, he said, my thoughts and my ways are higher than your thoughts and your ways. He was not trying to compare them and leave us down on the low-level thinking and the low-level living. He was inviting us to come up to the higher way and come up to the higher thoughts. Hallelujah. So seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and not the need. Don't seek the need. There's no power in seeking the need met. Seek the kingdom, and in seeking, when you find the kingdom ways, the needs will automatically be supplied because he's provided them in the kingdom way. Hallelujah. So the systems of God concerning our finances are tithing, sowing, reaping, asking, receiving, binding, and loosing. These need to be important to us. These need to be important. We don't try tithing. We are tithers. I'm not a person who who attempts tithing. I'm going to give it a shot. No, I, I, I adhere to tithing. I depend on tithing. I rely on tithing. This is my lifestyle. This is my way of living. I'm a tither by by. By trade. I'm a tither by this is what I, I do. I am a sower. Hallelujah. Why? Because God has chosen that system. He has chosen and He has made tithing and sowing and reaping and asking and receiving kingdom rules, kingdom systems, kingdom operations. And He said, seek those, become skilled in those. Be a, be a doer of those systems. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the things will be added. And it doesn't stop there. Things are added, but then as you are sowing and reaping, sowing, seed gets multiplied. Things are added. Needs are supplied, but you're not limited to just your needs met. God doesn't want you to just expect your needs met. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to excel. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be a blessing, not just be blessed. He doesn't want you just to have enough. He wants you to have more than enough because to be the blessing he designed for you to be, you're going to have to have an ample supply and more. You're going to have to have an ample supply for you and yours because the righteous leave an inheritance for their children's children. So that means I've got to have enough in my life that it's going to outlive me. But I'm not supposed to just hoard it up and save it for me and mine. That's going to be available in my life, but I'm also going to have an ample supply to be an outflow of the blessing and the goodness of God in the lives of others. I have all sufficiency in all things, and I abound to every good work. Hallelujah. So how, how do I do that? I've got to frame my finances. I've got to frame my financial world. It's, it's automatically available, but it's not automatically in operation. I've got to put it to work. And one of the first things that I need to do is have faith for it. 
And if you have lived under lack for any length of time, there's going to be a renewing of the mind necessary. If you have had years of your life struggling financially, you're going to need to make a, a, special, a special effort to let the Word of God renew your thinking in the financial arena because you've got to be able to see yourself as the blessed who is em, empowered to be a blessing. You've got to see yourself as, as a big giver. You've got to see yourself meeting needs. You've got to see yourself sowing into every project that comes available. Amen? See yourself. I like how, how uh, Pastor Larry Clemens, he says, a money missionary. I like that. See yourself as a money missionary. Hallelujah. And so take the Word of God and begin to sow it in your heart. Now, if you've ever heard Pastor and I talk about our testimony, there was a time in our life and we were so financially strapped. We were both loving God, serving God, living right. There wasn't sin in our life. He was ministering as an assistant pastor at a church in Kansas City area. We were, we were dedicated to the things of God and we were so broke. And so the Lord instructed us to set aside our lives for 40 days and not listen to anything except preaching about financial prosperity. And we put TVs over, we put blankets over all the TVs in the house. And it was summertime, so the kids were little. We sent them outside to play in the backyard on the trampoline because they didn't get to watch any TV. The kids weren't even watching TV. In the car, when we were on our way to church, we didn't listen to praise and worship, and we didn't listen to preaching on any other subject except for what God desires to do for us financially. And it was during the time that Brother Creflo Dollar and Leroy Thompson and, uh, and, and John Avanzini were doing a uh, camp meeting about the financial convention. And so I was recording it on our VCR. It was all staticky and everything. I was recording it on the VCR. And then when my husband got home from working at Blue Cross and Blue Shield, we would sit down and listen to those with our Bible. We were focusing on what God wanted for us financially. We were so Sowing it into our hearts. I took scriptures. I began to collect the scriptures. I still have my list of scriptures, and I use them still to put the, the seed of the word into my heart. And I began going through these scriptures and reading them. I would, I would look at, I, I have the list, and I would turn to it in my Bible. I would read it out of my Bible. And when I was reading it out of my Bible, Deuteronomy 28, hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord my God, to observe and to do according to all these things that he has commanded. Then the blessing is going to come on me and overtake me and then I'll be blessed in the city. I'll be, and when I was saying it, my mind was thinking, you just took, you just made lunch for your husband and your children and you gave them one slice of transparent ham from that Carl Buddingham. Y'all know what some Carl Buddingham is? And, and you're eating ramen noodles, right? You're, and you're calling yourself blessed coming in and blessed coming out. But I knew that for me to change it, I was going to have to sow the word of God into my heart to get the situation on the outside to change. Look at Mark 4. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I'm moving fast because I got a long way to go. 
and I don't want to hold us up late. Mark 4, 26. So y'all just got to put it in high gear with me here. Mark 4, 26. So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. And, and now what's he taught? He said, so is, so is. What did he just get done talking about in the previous example of the parable of the sower? He said, the word is the seed and the heart is the ground that the seed is sown into, right? And so now he's still talking about the word is the seed and the heart is the ground. And he says, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Or we could say, cast the word into his heart. Hallelujah. This is how the kingdom of God works. Because the kingdom is in you. Hallelujah. The kingdom is in you. The ability to produce everything that the kingdom makes available is in us because the ground is capable of bringing forth the word. If I put the word in my heart, I can believe for it. And so he said the seed cast into the ground is how the kingdom works. And we sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He doesn't know how it works. For the heart, the earth, brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, After that, the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. So I would take my list. I would speak those words. I was planting it into my heart. I wasn't confessing those scriptures to try to convince anybody because I was alone in my bedroom. I was alone at the kitchen table. I was alone on the couch going through these scriptures. I wasn't trying to make confessions to to convince someone else. I was making these declarations so that I could put it in my heart. Because the Romans chapter 10 says the word of faith is in our mouth and in our heart. The way to get it in your heart is take this tongue of the pen of the ready writer. My tongue is the pen and I can write it upon the tablet of my heart. And so you, if the first process of building your faith in any area is to get it in your heart. And the way, the easiest, most accurate way to get it in your heart is for you to speak it into your heart. For you to sow that seed straight into your heart. And so that's what I was doing. And every day I would get up and I would go through these scriptures while I, I was babysitting children at the time. And so while the kids would go down for a nap, I would pull these scriptures out and I would speak these scriptures into my heart, speak these scriptures day after day. We're not listening to anything else. Why? So I don't have anything coming against my harvest. I don't have any kind of other things distracting me. We are laser focused. And I began speaking that word and speaking that word. And I'm going to say probably about 30 days into it, I opened up to the same scriptures I had been reading every day. Those scriptures that the first time I ever read them, I felt like my head was going tilt. I felt like I was lying because this is so far from the truth about what I'm experiencing in my life. But I just kept speaking and sowing and speaking and framing and outfitting and equipping and arranging and putting those things in order in my heart. And one day, one day the earth brought forth fruit. The heart 
brought forth in my life. And when I opened up and started saying those same verses, when it came out of my mouth, I was shocked. I was surprised. I I thought, was that me? Like Urkel, did I say that? Right? I was so surprised because I knew faith had come. If you would have asked me before then, I thought I knew what faith was until faith came. And I, there was a distinct difference. I knew everything had changed, and yet I could see nothing that had changed. But within a matter of weeks, we were out of that rental house and in our, our, a home that we purchased, and Pastor had moved from that job at Blue Cross and Blue Shield to become the pastor. So that was 25 years ago. We're celebrating 25 years in December. He became the pastor there in Kansas. Hallelujah. And how did it happen? The word in the heart. The earth, the heart brought forth fruit. So this is one of the first things that you're going to have to do. You cannot skip this step. If you've ever heard Brother Hagen teach on seven steps to answered prayer or steps to answered prayer, the thing he emphasizes over and over again is step one. You've got to locate and determine the will of God and stay with that will until it gets in your heart. If it's just in the head, faith's not working out of your head. You've got to emphasize, you've got to spend that time with the word, putting it in your heart until faith comes. And they called him, or they, they wrote him a letter. This was before he wouldn't, they didn't make a lot of phone calls. He was out on the road ministering in a healing crusade. And Sister Pat Harrison was just a little girl at the time. And he got news from home that Sister Pat was sick with something, and it was pretty serious. And he said, even though I was in these meetings for healing, I was seeing people healed, I was preaching on healing, I was studying healing for my sermon, he said, even though I was experiencing all of this, I knew that for what I needed to release my faith for, I needed to go back to the scriptures for myself. And so in addition to his study time for his sermons, he added extra time for him personally, and he went back over all of those healing scriptures for himself. And he said for about two days, he spent that extra time in the word, putting those healing scriptures in his eyes, in his ears, in his mouth, speaking them into his ears, getting it in to his heart, and then he prayed for her. What an example. Not to just jump out there and say, okay, I'm just going to release my faith. I'm just going to pray. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to feed my faith on the scriptures, and then I'm going to pray. And that's what he always said. You've got to locate the will of God and then spend the time to get it in your spirit. Get it in your heart. And that's what we've got to do about the finances that God wants us to have. We've got to sow God's word into our heart so that it will produce. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God established the law of the seed. And the law of the seed is that every seed will bring forth after its own kind. So if you need healing seed, you've got to go get healing scriptures 
And you got to feed on those healing scriptures like Brother Hagin was saying. He was feeding on specific scriptures. He wasn't just pulling random scriptures. He was going back to healing scriptures. If you need financial stability scriptures, if that's what the harvest that you need, then you've got to go to the Word for that debt freedom. You've got to go to the Word for that financial abundance. And you've got to sow it because it's available, but it's not automatically in operation. Hallelujah. So this is word-based. We can't do this without the word. It's our worlds, your world, my world, our worlds are equipped by the spoken word of God. Our worlds, our financial world is equipped by the spoken word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't wait until your need is upon you. Use your faith on the front end. Use your faith on the front end. Start now. Don't wait until you have symptoms in your body to start sowing seeds of health in your heart. Don't wait until you reach a certain age before you start sowing seeds of long life in your heart. Just go ahead right now and see yourself living long. And, and take the scriptures, and, and with long life, he satisfies me. And just go ahead and get that established now so that you don't have to wait until there are things pressing on you physically or attacks coming against you to go try and build that image of long life on the inside of you. Try to plant those seeds, and the enemy's coming immediately trying to steal that seed. Hallelujah. If you just go ahead and get a harvest working, a harvest of long life and a harvest of financial security and a harvest of a strong marriage and a harvest of the salvation of your children. Just go ahead and get the word of God for everything you can see that you're going to have need of for the rest of your life and put the word in your heart. And then when you need it out of the abundance of the heart, you can draw out good treasure. You can't draw out good treasure if you hadn't put in good treasure in there. You can't be making withdrawals on something you haven't deposited. You've got to deposit the word first. So let's just go ahead and get our deposits going. Amen. Get some automatic deposits working in your life. Hallelujah. So where do I start? Where do you want to start? How about this? Here's the, here is the foundation for you to frame your finances. God is my source. God is my source. Now, the first time I ever heard anybody say that, it, it went against my rational thinking. God is my source. Well, what does that mean? You know, does that mean I quit my job and let God... No, 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 that's not what God said. We're, we're framing. We're framing. God is my source, and he said he's put all my provision in his kingdom, in his system. So I'm going to be employing his system to access my provision. I'm going to be working the systems that he's made available, and I'm going to be working his word. I'm going to be tithing. I'm going to be sowing. I'm going to be reaping. And so I need the job so I have seed to sow. Hallelujah. I'm not limited to what's coming in in my paycheck because my paycheck is, my, is now become my seed bin. Now I have access to break off the limits. I'm not limited to what my earning potential is and what I have left in the years that, that they say is going to be my good working years, right? I can sow 
and work the system of God of reaping because God's going to multiply my seed sown. And so I'm going to become a skilled farmer. Hallelujah. So God is my source. Haggai chapter 2. What, what does that mean to us that God is our source? Does that impress you? If it doesn't impress you, you haven't seen what he's got. You haven't looked at him lately. <laughs> if you want to be impressed by the fact that God is your source, start looking at his reservoirs, his reserves. Haggai chapter 2 verse 7, hallelujah. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine and he's my supply. He's my source. God says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. And I say, God, you're my supply. You're my source. Hallelujah. I'm not stupid. Hallelujah. If, if he's the one who has the supply, I want to trust in him. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 50. Now listen, go ahead and put these in your heart every day. Go ahead and sow. These are seeds to sow. The silver is God's. The gold is God's. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 10. You know, I was trying to put my life back together. I'd went and got a real job for the first time in years. I, probably the first real job I'd had. I'd worked for a short time when I had just turned 16 and got a, my first paycheck and ran away with it. And went to, took, took my, the car that my parents had given me and went on the run. And so that's what started my, my life of, uh, of chaos. But now that I was born again, I went and got a job as a waitress there in a, a restaurant. It's kind of like a TGI Fridays. It was a place called O Charlie's. You might have heard of it. They don't have very many of them anymore. But at the time, I, I didn't want to work at night because the church I was attending was in revival like four nights a week. And so I didn't want to miss church. They kept telling me, girl, you don't want to miss church because you don't want to lose. You know, you don't want to go back. You don't want to lose your momentum. And so uh, you've got to stay under the word. And so I also did not want to serve alcohol. So I chose not to work at night. Now, if I would have worked at night, I would have made a lot more money. So I didn't make my decision based on money because I would have been working the night shift and getting all of the heavy tippers who were drinking alcohol. But I didn't want to serve alcohol, and I didn't want to miss church. So I made my decision that honored God, and I worked the lunch shift. And then I would roll silverware for anybody who would be willing to pay me to roll their silverware. You all got to know about the restaurant industry. You know, they have to have certain amount of bins of silverware rolled. And every, every server was supposed to roll some. But they would pay me 10 or $15 to roll theirs for them. And I'd take them. Yeah, I'll roll it. And so I would stay a little bit longer and roll that silverware. But my, my finances were were just what was coming in through that lunch hour. And I went, for me to get custody of my children back, I had to have my driver's license. I had to have a, a legal car. I didn't have, well, they didn't re require the car, but I couldn't drive the car. I, I couldn't pick them up in the car that I was driving because it was a stolen car. And I did not steal it, but it was stolen. And so they would not let me pick my children up in that car. I did not have a driver's license, so they would not let me pick up my children anyway. 
And so the judge said, if you want to get children, if you want to get custody of your children back, you need to have a place to live. I didn't have one of those either. I was living in the car until the people I started going to church with let me sleep on their couch. So I'm working lunch shift at a waitress, as a waitress, and I needed a car. I needed my driver's license. Well, to get my driver's license, I had to get SR-22 insurance because I had had a wreck. The reason I lost it, I had a wreck without insurance. And so I had to get and keep SR-22, and so it was pretty expensive to get that insurance. Then I had to pay off all my tickets. And I had about $2,000 plus plus in tickets for driving on revoked driver's license a couple of times, uh, probably tickets for possession of marijuana, tickets for uh, um, possession of a firearm, tickets for, I had tickets. I had tickets for parking tickets. I had tickets, and they were excessive. And so I'm thinking, and then I had to pay restitution to to reestablish my driver's license. So it was about a thousand and some odd dollars. And I just, I, I went, I was so excited. I'm going to the, the DMV to find out what I need to get to get my driver's license back. And they came back with this all list of stuff. And I just wanted to cry, but I didn't. And I'll tell you, they still had, they still had the phones that you can put your quarter in. And so at my place of employment, I sure enough didn't have a cell phone. They had, they had a pay phone. And so I had to go to work. And so the person who had given me a ride, it was a family member, took me up there, and and I just said, I'm going to have to work on these things, and I didn't really go into it much. And so they dropped me off at my place of employment. I walked in, put a quarter in that payphone, and I called my pastor's wife. I called my pastor's wife. She's my mother-in-law today, but but I, I hadn't met her son yet. And so I called, and I said, Miss Jeannie, would you speak faith to me? And she didn't, she knew where I had planned to go. She didn't ask me what they said. She didn't ask me how much money I needed. And she didn't even, all I said was, would you speak faith to me? And she started saying, the Lord is your shepherd you shall not want. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And every one of those cows would go for about $2,000 at the market. And so God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Hallelujah. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. But let's look at it. Psalm 50. It helped, my, it helped me. It helped me because I walked out of there knowing God's got this. God's got a supply. I don't have to figure out how I'm going to come up with this if I'm trusting in him. So it says, every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Hallelujah. I didn't know cows went for that, right? But she, she'd lived in Texas long enough and been around the ranches long enough. She knew every time you drive through and see all those cows in the field, whoo, right? That's, that's supply right there. That's the supply. So God owns the cattle on a thousand hill. We're looking at God as our source. He said, the gold is mine. The silver is mine. The cattle on a thousand hill is mine. 
Hallelujah. And so he's not limiting us to what we can provide. He wants to be our provider. Now go with me to Isaiah 48, 17. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, which teaches you to profit. If God is my source, he owns the gold, he owns the silver, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. And he said, I'll teach you how to profit. I'll teach you how to profit. Hallelujah. Build your faith in that. Get an inner image, an expectation that God's teaching me how to profit. What he's teaching me is not going to take me down. It's not going to bring me into the negative. What he's teaching me, those things are going to bring me up. He's going to teach me how to profit. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Deuteronomy 8, 18. You will remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. He gives you power to get wealth. Hallelujah. He gives you power. Is anybody excited about that? We've got to take that scripture literally, and we've got to let that become a seed in the ground of our heart, God gives me power to get wealth. We've got to frame our world with that. He teaches me to profit. He gives me power to get wealth so that he may establish his covenant. What was the covenant that he, he spoke of that he was establishing with us? He said it over here in Hebrews chapter 6. He said the words of the covenant. We have the exact promise that he made to Abraham, the covenant that we, that we have inherited as children of God, as we, this is uh, what is ours because we are Christ. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. That's the blessing. That's the covenant. He said, I give you power to get wealth so that I can establish the blessing and the multiplication in your life. Hallelujah. He gives me power to get wealth. Psalm 115. Psalm 115 in verse 9. This is just step one. God is my source. God is my source. Psalm 115 And let's read 9 through 14. And I want you to put your name in there when you take this home and put this in your heart and in your mouth and in your heart and in your mouth and in your heart and in your mouth. Hallelujah. Oh, Michelle, trust in the Lord. He is my help and my shield. Oh, Michelle, trust in the Lord. He is my help and my shield. You that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless 
the house of Philip and Michelle Steele. He will bless the ministry of Philip and Michelle Steele. You can put your name in there. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more. The Lord will exceed or proceed you further, is what that word increase means. He will proceed or exceed you further. Hallelujah. So where you are today, he wants to multiply that. He wants to exceed that. And then after you exceed all year long, he's going to come back around and say, I'm not done. I can exceed you more than that. I can multiply that again. Hallelujah. The Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. Hallelujah. So God, who is my source, he is interested in teaching me to profit. He is giving me power to get wealth, and he will increase me more and more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can you take one more step? Okay, step number two, establish prosperity as the will of God. I know that in your mind you may say, okay, yeah, it's the will of God, but I want it established in your heart. We've got to have our hearts fixed on this as reality. God wants me to prosper. He doesn't want me to have just enough. He does not want me to settle for just enough. He wants me to exceed just enough so that I can be a blessing. Hallelujah. So 3 John 2 is a good seed that will produce that harvest. We're talking about framing. I'm giving you seeds that have worked for me, that you can take these seeds and put them in your heart, and they'll work for you just the same way. 3 John 2 said, Beloved, I wish, a better translation is pray. I pray above all things, or I desire above all things. And all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God, his will, the Spirit of God, the will of God, his will above all things is that we prosper and be in health. That we prosper and be in health. Not just prosper physically, but prosper financially and physically. Hallelujah. And this isn't miracle to miracle. This is not just miracle provision. This is divine provision. This is divine prosperity. This is a prosperity that God is producing an abundant supply continually, and you're waxing great. Do you know, if you take a candle, the way that you, you, you form the candle is you start with the wick, and you dip it down in the wax, and then you dip it in the wax again and let it cool, and then you dip it again, and with each dip, it gains another layer of width on that candle. It gains more of the wax on that candle. And so God, the blessing works with a waxing grate. It's not supposed to be a one-time thing. It's not supposed to be just a, 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 an event to event. And too many people are settling for the event. 
and God wants the waxing great. Well, I just want, I just want something to come in to meet this need. And then they loosen up their, their pressure on it. They put their pressure and they, they'll get one harvest and then they back off. Well, good farming doesn't work that way. Good farming is continual. Hallelujah. I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. There's the mind renewal. There's the emotional restoration. I heard a story about a young man who became an NFL football player. He had suffered poverty all of his life. And then as a football player, he had all of his finances. But, and he came into the kingdom, and that's where he was telling this testimony after he had gotten saved. He said, because when I was a little boy... We had an event at our school, and we all the, the guys on my team went to this event with my coach, and nobody told me that I was supposed to bring money for my lunch. And, and so he didn't have the money when they went out, and so the coach had to pay for his lunch. And all the other little boys shamed him. And, and ran him down and gave him a hard time about, man, that was wrong of you. You made coach have to pay for your meal. You should have brought some money. Man, what's wrong with you? You didn't ask your parents for some money. And I guess he wouldn't have had the, uh, his parents were not uh, uh, stable and didn't have any money, and he wouldn't have had it if, they, if he had asked them. But he said, I was so ashamed of that that after I became rich and I had all this money, I would... I, I was still trying to deal with that shame of my past, and every time we would go anywhere, I had to foot the bill. I would pay for everybody's meal. I would, I would buy everybody's stuff because I was trying to deal with that shame from when I was a little boy, and they embarrassed me about not having enough money. And some people carry wrong thinking like that into their their blessing lifestyle and wonder why the blessing is is not operating at its efficiency because of that renewing of the mind needs to be in place hallelujah hallelujah remember we're not going to we're not going to keep having to open 15 butter buckets before we find the butter Just go ahead and buy some Rubbermaid. That's clear. You can see what's in that Rubbermaid. Okay, that's the green beans from, from Tuesday, and that's the taco meat from the other day. And, and so I don't have to open up all these butter buckets before I find the butter because we're renewing our mind. We're renewing our mind. I was believing God to come out of debt, and I was standing on the Word, working the Word, you bring out those which were bound by change. That was the main scripture that God used. There were a couple others, but that was the main one. You bring out those which are bound by chains. And so I was believing God for, to come out of debt. And he asked me one day, he said, Michelle, what are you going to do different when I bring you out of debt? And I had to think about it for a minute. I thought, well, what's it going to be like to have money that that Sally Mae's not demanding and, and this mortgage isn't demanding and this loan isn't demanding and all of these things that we had gotten in, into debt to, what is it going to be like for them not to be demanding of the income coming into my life? 
And I thought to myself, I'm going to shop differently. I'm going to shop differently. Because I only bought what we were out of. So that could mean that we didn't have deodorant till the next payday. If we ran out of deodorant or toothpaste or something like that before payday, we might have to wait a couple of days, right? And you're like scrounging, is there anything, right? Is there any, does the kids have any toothpaste? You're going in there and getting the bubblegum toothpaste. Why? Because I wasn't buying for supply. Hallelujah. And I still have to catch myself saying, why am I buying just one? Just go ahead and buy a couple so that I've got a supply in the cabinet. Hallelujah. So even as your soul prospers, so you've got to bring that renewing of the mind so that you begin to see the, the working of the word in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're establishing prosperity as the will of God. Psalm 35, 27. 35, 27 has been my friend. I encourage you to let this one be a seed that you sow into your heart often. It will frame your world. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of Michelle Steele. You can put your name there, but in my life, God has pleasure in the prosperity of Michelle Steele. It pleases God when I prosper. It, it, it makes him smile as I increase. He's like, that's right, girl. You go. That's what I want. I want you to prosper. It pleases God when I prosper. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. He has connected me to the blessing. So I declare I'm governed by the blessing. From John chapter 10 verse 10, we could say, Jesus has come that I might have life and have life more abundantly. His abundant life is flowing in my finances. I'm establishing that prosperity is his will. From 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, I declare, I know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. He became poor so that I would be rich. Hallelujah. He became poor so that I would be rich. And if your head goes tilt when you say rich, say it again. Rich, 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 rich. He became poor so that I would be rich. Hallelujah. So you've got to establish prosperity as the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to try to go any further. We'll, we'll come back to it again.